Hello. Hey, I've got a question for you. Have you ever been on an aeroplane? I suspect that you have, but um, the reason I'm wondering it is because if you have been on a plane, I'm sure you've experienced the dreaded turbulence. You know, it normally happens when you're about to go to the toilet and maybe you've been desperate for a while and you're just about to go and suddenly the seatbelt signs come on and the bumps begin and it's so frustrating. But apart from the fact that you can't walk around, the seatbelts aren't really a bad thing, are they? Because it's the seatbelts that keep us secure. It's the seatbelts that keep us grounded. And the reason I start like that is because we're living in turbulent times, aren't we? And um, as Christians, we have a spiritual seatbelt that keeps us secure, that keeps us grounded, and it's called faith. And we are in the middle of a three-week series at the moment that we're calling Family of Faith. And it's a series about Abraham and Sarah's journey of faith in Hebrews 11. And really we're looking at their story to consider what we can learn about faith and what it looks like in our lives and how it might keep us secure during these turbulent times. And in fact, through all times, whatever they are, but I think faith is a funny word. I don't know about you, but I find it kind of a mystical word. Like sometimes it's hard to grasp hold of. Sometimes it's hard to figure out what does it actually mean? Like, how can I have faith? How can I grow my faith? Um, what is faith? And I was looking um, at a website called Blue Letter Bible, which is amazing for Bible study, by the way. And it describes faith as belief with the predominant idea of trust belief with the predominant idea of trust. And I think that's a great explanation of why we find faith such a difficult concept to grasp. Um, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says about faith, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, I think it's easy to believe what we see. It's kind of an obvious statement to make, but the Bible says that faith is believing what we don't see and then putting our confidence in it so that we act in line with it. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to learn about that today. So I want us to start by just reading today's verses through. Um, we're in Hebrews chapter 11 um, from verse 11 this week. But I'm actually going to start by reading the verses that Simon looked at last week just to give us some context. So we're going to read from Hebrews 11 verse 8. And it goes like this, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Let me just pray for us before we carry on. 
Father, I just want to say thank you for your word. I thank you that it always speaks into our situations, into our lives. God, I just marvel at that now that these words written so long ago would be relevant to us today. But we want to acknowledge that they are and we want to hear from you today, Father. And so I pray, would you soften our hearts? Would you open our ears? Holy Spirit, would you be speaking to us? Teach us what we need to hear today, that we would be more like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Simon and I, my husband Simon and I, love the ocean. And it's kind of ironic because for most of our lives, we lived in a town in the UK that was very, very far away from the ocean. And so when we moved to Miramar a few years ago, it was like our dreams had come true. And now we live 10 minutes walking distance from the beach. It's amazing. But the first Christmas that we were in Miramar, we decided to buy a family Christmas present of a secondhand kayak. And so we scoured Trade Me and we bought this secondhand kayak and our three girls love it. But um, they're getting a bit older. And so this Christmas, this summer, we took the girls down to Seatoon Beach for a chance for them to have a go in the kayak on their own. And it was a classic Wellington summer day where Simon and I were by no means planning to go in the water. And so we were stood on the edge of the shore and Gracie went first, our eldest, and she got in the kayak. And she was doing awesome. She paddled out beyond the wharf. And um, we were just like, yeah, go Gracie. And we called out to her, hey, Gracie, it's probably about time you turned around now and came back. Well, it soon became apparent that she did not know how to turn around. Uh, either we hadn't taught her or she just couldn't do it, but she was heading to Eastbourne and we were starting to panic. And so poor Simon, because obviously it was going to be Simon and not me, had to strip down and d- dive into the water, swim after her and bring her back. And if you're worried about Gracie, don't worry. She was oblivious to the fact that there was anything wrong. She was having a great time and uh, yeah, was not aware that she was heading to the hut. <laughs> Oh, oh, sorry, I've lost my place now. It strikes me, though, that it's one thing having a vehicle, but it's really helpful to have some how-to instructions when it comes to using a vehicle. And the reason I talk about that is I was thinking about faith being like a vehicle, a vehicle in which we get to journey with God, a vehicle that takes us towards God's promises, a vehicle that we get to do this life with God in. But there are a few how-to type instructions in this passage in Hebrews that I think it's really helpful for us to take notice of. And the first one is um, that last week Simon talked to us about. He was talking about Abraham and he talked about how it was by faith. So Abraham in his faith kayak, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God and went to a new land, leaving everything he knew behind. But the little how to instruction that Simon encouraged us to think about was this, for he was looking forward. And I don't know if you heard it last week, but Simon challenged us to think about how far forward we're looking and if we're looking forward far enough. And I was challenged to think about whether my life would look different if I was making my decisions with eternity in mind, with eternity in focus. And so this week we've just read that Sarah, Abraham's wife, um, by faith, so in her faith kayak, Sarah was enabled to bear children. 
But then there is this little how-to instruction for her as well. It says this, because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And that's what I want us to unpack a little bit today. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could be people who were enabled to go to God destinations in our faith kayaks because we consider God faithful? You know, that word consider, it means um, to count or to deem or to think or to esteem. It's to like attach a label, a label to something or someone. And I love those words because they're so active. And when you get active words, it's super empowering because it means there's a decision for you to make. There's a way that you can um, put this into practice. And so when we talk about it with Sarah, she had a choice and she chose to consider him faithful. It's the same word as you find in James chapter one, verse two, where it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And it makes me think of like a preschool teacher drawing a picture of a cat on the board and the kids have got different words. They need to pick what the right word is and they pick the word cat and attach it to the picture. It's like James is saying in here, when you go through trials, here's your picture of trials on the board. The word that you need to attach is joy. That's the right label for that picture. And then this story with Sarah, it's like she looks at God. She's got this picture of God here and the right label to attach to him is faithful. She gets to choose that label that she attaches to God. And when we look at God, we get to choose a label to attach to him. And sometimes we don't choose the right labels. You know, sometimes life is discouraging. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes we get disappointed with God and we label God with the wrong things. But when we choose to label him with faithful, that really helps us on our journey of faith, in our faith kayak. You know, how do we do that though? I, I think about my life and I think there's things that make a difference to what I label God with. There's definitely ups and downs on my journey when sometimes I'm more confident in God's faithfulness than others. And it's made me think, how does that happen? What can I do to help me be able to label God with faithful? You know, one of the things that I know helps me is to read stories of his faithfulness in the Bible. There's so much what the Bible is for. It's to encourage us and to show us who God is. And I know that when I read those stories of his faithfulness, it helps me to label him as faithful in my life. Another thing that helps me is reading or hearing stories of people in more recent times. And actually, I was pondering this week how the more recent, the better. I know that if I talk to someone and they're telling me stories of what God's doing in their life and it's happened in the last few days, that's so encouraging for me. That helps me to label God faithful. It gives me confidence in who he is. I think the third thing that helps me is noticing God's faithfulness in my own life. You know, I think we can get into a rut where we go through life oblivious to what God's doing. We just get into our rhythm of doing our own thing and sometimes we don't even notice the prayers that he's answering or the opportunities that he's opening up or the faithfulness that is there to see if we would open our eyes to it. And a really amazing discipline that I have learned to get into is actually to stop at the end of the day and reflect, what has God been doing? 
What are the opportunities he's opened today? What are the prayers he's answered? What are the things that have gone great today that I want to give him glory and honour for? And I know that as I start to open my eyes to God's faithfulness in my life, that helps me to label him with faithful. It encourages me on this faith journey. And lastly, I think the thing that helps with this is telling other people stories of God's faithfulness in my life. You know, if we all wanted to hear other people tell stories, but none of us told stories ourselves, that wouldn't work, would it? Each of us has a responsibility to share the stories of what God is doing in our lives. But it's not only for other people. When I tell stories of what God's doing in my life, it encourages me. It reminds me, oh yeah, God is faithful. It helps me to label him with faithful. You know, Sarah had seen God's faithfulness in her own life and she knew the stories of his faithfulness in the lives of people who'd gone before her. I love it when we read Genesis, which is where Abraham and Sarah's story falls. It's account after account of God at work, God's faithfulness to people. And um, that's what Hebrews 11 is for us. It's these stories of people and their experience of God. And they're there to encourage us. They help us to live this life of faith. So I wonder, are you filling your heart and mind with stories of God's faithfulness? You know, a funny thing about humans, about people, is we always act in line with our beliefs, whether we like it or not. And so what we believe about God is really important. We were in Australia on holiday in the summer and we stayed in this little farmhouse and we were with my sister and her family and I was just walking around the farmhouse exploring and we came across this creature that I've since learned is called a skink. (laughs) And I jumped to start with um, because, um, well, you would jump if you saw a creature, you didn't know what it was. But it was sitting so still, I genuinely thought it was fake. And so the more I looked at it and the more still it seemed to be, the more I thought, they've put a plastic like animal down here. And I, I don't know why you would do that. I don't know why you would put a fake skink in your garden, but that's what I thought they'd done. And when I believed it was fake, I got quite brave and I actually got close enough to take the photo that you're seeing on the screen. But as I stood there, then it moved. And oh my goodness, did my actions change because my beliefs changed. I no longer believed that this creature was fake. I absolutely believed it was real. And I truly believed it was probably going to hurt me because it looked like a snake with legs. And we were in Australia. So I think my assumptions were fair enough. But my actions changed. I was no longer so willing to get close to it. And you can see from the photo of me with the skink, I wasn't very willing to get very close anymore because I really believed it was going to hurt me. It's kind of a funny example, a silly example, but our beliefs really do inform our actions. It also means, though, that if we look at our actions, they can be really revealing about what our beliefs are. It works the other way around. If you go back and look at the whole story of Abraham and Sarah in the book of Genesis, you know, Hebrews makes it out like they got it right first time. But when you go back and look in Genesis, you see the fuller picture of what actually happened. And they they did get a few things wrong. But I think in Genesis, we see what it looked like for Sarah when instead of choosing to look at God's faithfulness, she looked at what she saw in front of her. 
You see, God had promised Abraham and Sarah that even though they had been unable to have children their whole lives, even though Abraham and Sarah were old, God promised to give them a child of their own. And not only that, but he promised that their descendants would be as numerous as the sand on the shore and the stars in the sky. And so what Sarah could see was an old husband, an old body that had never been able to bear children. And what she, what she believed was that this was an impossible promise. And so Sarah acted in line with that belief and she tried to make things happen her own way. And in Genesis 16, we read, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, those are just their names. God changed their names partway through the story. So these are still the same people. Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. Sarah's beliefs determined her actions. And when she looked at what was in front of her, she acted in line with that. And sometimes I think our actions can reveal our wrong beliefs about God. And so I wonder today, what are you believing about God? As you sit in the kayak of faith, what are you choosing to label God with? You know, what are the stories of God that you need to read? Who are the people of God that you need to listen to? And what are the testimonies of God that you need to begin to share? I think the most important question today, though, that you will answer is, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? I say that because... Romans 10 verses 9 to 10 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. See, if you believe that Jesus is God's son and that he died on a cross so that you could be forgiven for all the wrong that you've ever done. And if you believe that he didn't stay dead, but he rose again and defeated sin and defeated death. If you believe those things, it says you will be saved. That's what we call becoming a Christian. And Jesus invites every one of us. He invites you today to come follow him. That means to live a life where our belief in him determines our actions. It determines the way that we live. It changes everything. You know, he invites you today to live with him as Lord, the one who's in control. He invites you today to live with him as saviour, the one who, for, who makes a way for you to be forgiven, makes a way for you to be a child of God, brought into God's family. I think if you realise today that you actually do believe in Jesus and you've never said yes to following him, I want to lead you in a prayer now that says that to God. You know, like those verses that I read, that you would be able to confess it with your mouth and be saved today. And so as I pray, why don't you pray along with me? You can repeat the words after me. I'll do it slow enough so that you can do that. But let's pray together now. Dear Jesus, Today, I want to tell you that I believe you are Lord. 
I believe that you died for me and rose again so that I could be saved from sin and become a part of God's family. I decide today that I want to follow you. I want to live my life for you. Please change me from the inside so I can live a life of faith. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, just as we are praying now, I want to pray for every person who has said yes to following you this morning, who's just prayed that prayer. I thank you for each of those decisions, God. And I pray, would you fill them with your Holy Spirit, empower them to live a life of faith following you. And I pray for each one of us today as we've heard this message. Lord, I pray that you would um, cause your word to sink deep into our hearts. I pray that we would be people that don't see faith as a way of getting what we want, but we see faith as a way of journeying with you, of walking with you, of going on the adventures that you have for us. And I pray, Lord, like Simon challenged us with last week, that we'd be people that live with eternity in mind, that we'd make decisions with the end in mind. And like we've been challenged about today, that we'd be people that live labelling you as faithful, like Sarah did, considering you faithful. And I believe that will make such a difference in our lives of faith. And so we commit ourselves to you today. We pray, would you change us from the inside out? Would you help us to walk with you? In Jesus' name, amen. Have you prayed the prayer to follow Jesus today? If you said you believe in him for the first time, we'd love to connect with you. And there's a button that will come up on the chat that you can press. Even if you don't live in Wellington, we'd love to connect you with you today and help you just as you begin to take those first steps of following Jesus. Or you can email online at thestreet.org.nz. We just would really love to celebrate with you and help you as you begin that journey. But we're going to worship our God now, our great, awesome God, the one we know to be faithful. And so let's worship him together.